Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Shona Robinson, author of the debut novel, Must Love Books. Shona, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your debut novel, Must Love Books, how would you describe the novel? It is a book about kind of being in your 20s and realizing that your your dream job isn't what you imagined and just trying to figure out what to do next. Um, it's set in publishing and this young woman, Nora, is 27. She's been an editorial assistant for five years and she's realizing, oh, this isn't what I want. And then when her pay is cut, she secretly gets a second job with a competing publisher and she's juggling these two jobs, trying to figure out what she wants to do in life. And then she falls for an author that both publisher, both publishers would, would love to have. So she's, she's dealing with a lot of questions that I think a lot of people in their 20s may be dealing with and navigating as well. Sure. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing must-love books? Yes. It started with a sandwich. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in, in I think, chapter two, where the, this, this big author is coming uh, for a meeting and everyone really wants to impress him because his first book did so well and they want to sign him on for a second book. And it's a lunch meeting and our protagonist, Nora, is the editorial assistant and she is responsible for ordering the lunch during the meeting and she gets his sandwich order wrong. And at the time when I was an editorial assistant, I was just thinking about how funny it would be if um, well, funny to think about now, but a little bit terrifying too. If you know you're you you mess up in like a simple task for everyone is trying to impress someone, and what could happen from there. So that's kind of how her relationship with this author starts off, on just based on her mistake and everything unfolding from there. So that that was the um, initial idea. I'm curious, how did your own experiences in book publishing inform the novel? I am. 
honestly was partly laziness because I knew, okay, I want someone um, to be working with someone who's kind of a big kahuna and she has her company trying to impress him. What kind of industry would that be? And I, I was thinking, oh, well, it could be in the music industry and it's a musician. And then I thought, or it could be publishing. And then I don't have to do any research <laughs> because I could just base it on my own life. But I, I really just loved that idea more because I thought, well, you know, I've been in publishing for a few years now. I know I don't want to be in this full time, but uh, a lot of the depictions of publishing are really kind of glittery and dreamy and exciting. And so I liked the idea of showing a different side of publishing that's a little more dreary, just to kind of tell people, hey, it, it you know, this also isn't uh, amazing and beautiful and it's okay if you're in this too and you don't love it as much as you thought you would. And and on that note, what what was your experience in book publishing? So was it dreary? I had <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there were some fun moments too, but yeah, like my experience was all in like nonfiction publishing. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of internships in college. One was at university press and another um, was at Wiley, the the company that I went on to work for for several years. And at Wiley, we published like professional development books for um, professors in higher education. And that was where, where I primarily, the division I worked in, they also did books for like business, the business side and, and nonprofits and K through 12 teachers. And so it wasn't anything that I had seen depicted in, in movies or television <laughs> where they're working on fiction and isn't that exciting? And, and you've got the best, like the the next best-selling novelist you're talking to. And, you know, this, this is different. Like the, these authors are like exciting in their own ways, but just not something that I would ever like run into. I'm not going to, you know, be in a bookstore browsing and, and see a professional development book for professors and really want to read it myself. Um, so, and also at Wiley, there were a lot of companies going through a lot of changes. And so there were some layoffs and like my, my, my boss and his boss and his boss were all laid off not long after I got there. So I also just saw a different side in the sense that it wasn't doing so well at that time. And so when you're working at a company and you 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 have all these visions of how it's going to go and then you get there and it's just kind of crumbling to the ground, <laughs> that can also kind of taint your your view of that industry, even though I know, you know, that's not the case for a lot of other publishing companies. So I'm curious about your own writing journey. I know that Must Love Books is your debut novel, but uh, was it actually the first novel that you wrote and were you writing um, as you were working in publishing? Okay. I am just going to embarrass myself here. So I, this is my first like book that I wrote. I was like a 25 year old editorial assistant and I got that sandwich idea and I decided to turn it into publishing and, and I just kind of ran with that. But I had been writing like creative fiction since I was 13, but it was like fan fiction and I, I would like post it online and I met like my my best friend there online when we were 13 and so I was just part of this community of writers and just as a teenager where we would all like post post stories um and and you know comment on each other's stories and so that was my, my first entrance into writing fiction and so Muscle of Books was kind of the first thing I wrote where it wasn't fan fiction and I didn't really know how to turn like the process of making something a book in the sense, you know, like I worked in publishing, but it wasn't fiction. So we didn't have agents where, where we worked or anything like that. So it was just something for years that I would just kind of dabble at as I had time because it, it's just kind of a ridiculous idea to think, okay, yeah, this little word document thing that I'm writing is totally going to 
become something one day. So I really got to, you know, work on it every day. Like it wasn't like that. It was just, okay, let me uh, indulge my silly dream for, for a few minutes today and then not touch it for six months. So I started writing it when I was 25. I didn't finish the first draft until like three years later. And even then I like set it aside for another several months before I started revising. So it, it was definitely a learning experience for me because it took so long. And I think for my second novel, I was a lot more dedicated and I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm just going to believe this is going to work out. So I'm just going to start writing now. I'm just going to write every day. But for this one, the path was a lot more meandering. That's, that's interesting. Well, you mentioned fan fiction. Was there a particular uh, show or book that you, that you focused on for your fan fiction? See, it would have been cool if it had been a show or a book or something <laughs> fictional. It was not. It was the Canadian pop rock band Simple Plan. Uh, there was just something about them that little 13-year-old me was just like, yes. I need to write stories about these people who exist in real life. Now, I did find my community of other delusional 13-year-olds who also wanted to write about this band. But um, it's, I, I feel just so much less cool when I, when I meet other people who wrote fan fiction. They're like, oh, yeah, I wrote for, for this like, book or for this TV show. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, fictional things that a normal person would write about. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> So uh, shifting gears a little bit, are there concrete actions that book publishers can take to foster a more diverse culture and workplace? That is an excellent question. I would say it, maybe it starts with salary in the sense that I think a lot of people who go into publishing in the first place are lucky that they may have some kind of support system to fall back on financially because salaries in publishing are so low. Um, you know, I worked at Wiley for like almost four years and my salary just remained in the thirties the entire time. Um, and that was like after a promotion and annual salary increases and things like that. And for a lot of people who can, can get by on these low salaries, they often have financial support from parents or, or a spouse or something like that. But uh, and so they tend to typically be white, but for, and so for other people who uh, come from more diverse backgrounds, they may not have that financial safety net and it, they it just, they just cannot take jobs that offer such low salaries. Um, I'm also seeing more flexible working conditions start to become available as a result of the pandemic. And so how hopefully that continues, but I, because I, I do think you know people have good intentions when it comes to hiring, but diversely, but with the, the salaries they're offering, that that doesn't always show. Sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Well, did working in publishing, and as you've explained, you were working in nonfiction and some academic publishing, did that impact um, your experience after you wrote the novel, or was it completely um, a new experience for you to, to, to find an agent and, and go through kind of the publication process? Yeah, the agent finding process was brand new to me because I, I just didn't work with agents on my side of publishing. Like we were publishing books for professors who were just, you know, thrilled to have a book to put on their CVs. <laughs> um, so, you know, agents just typically weren't a thing. And so that was all brand new to me. So I did a lot of research on like Query Shark and just just various blog posts and things by authors who are putting that information out there. And so that was how I learned about what a query letter is and what the querying process is like. And of course, once I got an agent and was then working with a publisher who bought my book, I was then a lot more familiar with like what publication schedules are like and what kinds of uh, delays and mishaps can happen. But the agent process was very new to me. Well, what was the writing process for you when you were working on must love books? I mean, you did mention that uh, it took you a while and you would, you know, write a little bit and then go several months without working on it. Um, during that time though, w- once you started working on the book, did you outline the the plot or was it really a sense of just following the narrative as you were working on it? I, so I started with the sandwich scene cause that was like my first little nugget. And then after that, so I just started writing that cause I really wanted to. And then I was like, I should, I should outline, but my <laughs> outlines are just more kind of adorable aspirations than <laughs> anything I'll actually follow. So I did outline it. I've since come across that outline. And then I even like stopped outlining it at one point, like it ended, I think at the climax. So I'm like, I don't know, I'll figure it out when I get there. Um, so I, I outlined, but I really didn't follow it. Gotcha. So are you working on a new novel now? Yes. Um, my second book is it also kind of revolves around books, which I guess is a problem I have, but <laughs> it is set in a bookstore. It's it's not a sequel. It's completely separate, but I, I it's just basically about someone who is is working in a bookstore for a few months in a small town with a lot of rules, and she doesn't even really like books, and so she just kind of raises a little hell while she's there. Um, and that is, I'm going through revisions with my publisher right now, so I just turned in my... Um, first revision on Monday. So I am very excited about the fact that I won't be working on that for the next couple of weeks, but I'm excited about that book in general. So it's a a bit of a different tone. It's a little more silly than my first book, but I'm excited for the silliness. That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? I, for me, I think what has helped has just been writing consistently. Um, and that's the biggest thing, even if you don't know where where something is going, if you don't know what, what you're doing, um, just sitting down. And I know, I know people can have different processes, you know, like whether to write like for X amount of time every day or aiming for X amount of words every day, whatever works best for you is fine. Um, but just 
being consistent and whatever that means to you. If it's like five minutes a day, an hour a day, or a hundred words a day, a thousand words a day, um, just consistency is key. But of course, you know, it's also fine if you're feeling burnt out to just take a break. That's good too. But I really didn't make any progress consistently until I really started writing a little bit every single day. Cause by then it just, it's just always in your mind. You're always going to be thinking about it. Even if you're stuck on a plot thing, it's still always going to be in the back of your mind and you're going to have an easier time progressing. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed and that you would recommend? Okay. So I use, I've been having a lot of fun reading kind of contemporary novels that have are new releases. Um, like just in the last couple of years when I was, was more serious about writing, I was like, oh, I should, you know, read new books in my genre. Cause normally I would like go to used bookstores because the books are cheaper and just buy old books for like a couple of dollars. So reading new books is like a very basic thing that's been a revelation <laughs> for me. So I have really enjoyed Love and Other Disasters by Anita Kelly, which comes out on January 18th, the same day, 2022, the same day that my book comes out. But it's it's just it was just really fun to read. And, and it's just set in like a cooking competition that like reality show where these two contestants kind of fall for one another <laughs> and like i i love all things cooking and i love love and it was just beautifully written and it has some wonderful diversity and representation and i think that'll be a wonderful book for 2022 um i also really loved have we met by camille baker which came out this summer um, and that is has a little bit of like technology mystery, kind of like Black Mirror, where it's about someone who um, gets a message from a mysterious dating app that appears on her phone and says that, you know, she's already met her soulmate and that it's sending her potential soulmates to her. And so it, it's just got that that kind of weird quirkiness of it, but it's also very grounded and real at the main character's dealing with grief from the death of her best friend and also just navigating her own life in her 20s and figuring out what she wants to do in her career while also dealing with this weird app that keeps popping up and various encounters with potential alleged soulmates. Um, So that was a really beautiful book too that I loved. I just felt like it covered so many things that I love where it covers something serious but is also a little lighthearted but covers a lot of struggles that people deal with. That's interesting. I'm sure there are people who would want that app. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your debut novel, Must Love Books? So I have a woefully neglected Twitter account um, at Shauna Robs, S-H-A-U-N-A-R-O-B-S. And I have a woefully neglected website at shaunarobinsonbooks.com. I do have my my basic information there like my bio and my book and where you can find it so that's something that's great well again we've been speaking with shauna robinson author of the debut novel must love books the book is on sale now so go buy a copy at your local independent bookstore and shauna thanks for doing this interview thank you so much for having me and congratulations on over 500 uh, (laughs) episodes of this podcast that's amazing thank you i appreciate it Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.